The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before men in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give alms, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, Do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The Gospel of the Lord. A very beautiful gospel today as the Lord deals with all of the uh, deepest movements in the hearts of his disciples and in our own hearts as well. There's been a very beautiful and profound flow as we've moved through chapter 5, now into chapter 6, where the Lord has been, uh, if you will, speaking to deeper and deeper aspects of the spiritual life of his disciples. And so he starts with the beatitude, the practice of virtue, certain dispositions, but now he's getting right into the heart and with regards to intention, what the Father looks at. So what is most important in our spiritual life? And so he's told them, as we've seen in the last few days, not only not to resist evil, but also that the interactions of their hearts towards those who persecute them should be love and prayer. And so that this love and prayer should spring from a response from the love, and, uh, the love that we receive from God and in a response to his love with a desire to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, and so that we have an intended goal in our intention, and that intended goal for our spiritual life is perfection and nothing less. The Lord calls us to perfection as something that is necessary for our spiritual life. And so as Christians, we don't aim to simply be somewhere on the road to perfection. We aim for perfection. No one who is not a saint, we cannot enter heaven if we are not saints. We need to be perfect. Thanks to God's mercy, if we die out of that state of perfection but still in a state of grace, we can, through purgatory, again be purified to the point of perfection where there we can en- then we can enter heaven. But perfection is our goal. To be holy as our Heavenly Father is holy is our goal. And that is one of our intentions. 
But then the things that we do on the road to that goal, we also have to check our intentions. And so what the Lord is saying here to his disciples, he says, beware of practicing your piety before men in order to be seen by them. Now, if we go back to the Greek, these words that are being used is, beware of practicing your righteousness or your justice, right? So it is fulfilling the commands of God. It is religion. And so it fits under justice. And I think that's something that we have to remember is that religion fits under justice because it's not simply something nice to do in our life. It's something that we owe to God because of justice. Religion, prayer, all of these things, it is just that they are given to God. And so we are obliged to perform them. It's not simply something nice to do for Christians. And so all of the acts of our religion, all of these things that we are called to practice in justice, we're not only called to practice them in the exterior sense, but the Lord wants a right intention in our heart when we practice them. One of the worst types of idolatry that can creep in, and this is what the Lord is warning against, is when we use the things that are supposed to be directed towards God because of religion, and we use them to gain glory and praise for ourselves. And so what happens is, is that we use the very things that are for God and for His praise and for His adoration, and we subtly, by our intention, turn those things so that we receive praise, glory, adoration from others. And so what happens is then that the very things that are what lift us up towards God, these beautiful acts of religion, become self-serving. They become self-worship. And it can become a type of self-idolatry that can creep into the heart. And so it's something that we have to be watchful for because it can be more subtle than we expect. And so what the Lord says here, which is our fundamental protection against these things, is that prayer and fasting and almsgiving are the way that we purify our heart and our intention. And so as one of the church fathers says, is that prayer alleviates and heals all of the maladies that can creep into the mind. And fasting can heal all of the maladies that might creep into the body. And so in that way, through prayer and fasting and almsgiving, our interior acts of religion and worship are purified so that they have a right intention, which is the glory and honor of God, which is His praise, which is that love might be directed towards Him who is deserving of our love, and that we might fulfill the justice that we are obliged to fulfill. And so the Lord says to His disciples, not if you give alms, but when you give alms. And giving alms is what makes us in a particular way like God. How can we come to kneel in the presence of God, asking Him for gifts in His mercy, and will not give gifts of mercy to others? Almsgiving is what disposes us rightly to receive in prayer. Almsgiving is the way in which we acknowledge that that is the way the Lord deals with us. As we kind of take on this disposition of almsgiving. In the Greek, the word can be translated to a type of mercy-mindedness. It just means that we're always thinking in mercy for the sufferings and the needs of others and trying our best to alleviate them through almsgiving. And in that way, we become like God who is mercy-minded towards us. When we come to prayer, we long and hope that the Lord is mercy-minded towards us. And we petition His mercy for the things that we need for our increase in perfection, 
for all of the gifts and graces that we receive from him, which he is always ready to give. He gives us great gifts and exhausts himself in his giving when he gives us his son in the blessed sacrament. This is the measure of almsgiving, God who gives his son for the sake of those who stand in need. And so also our own almsgiving must take on God as the model for it, mercy-minded, thinking of others' sufferings more than our own, and seeking in the best way that we can to alleviate those sufferings. What happens then is that almsgiving disposes our hearts properly for prayer. We are then approaching prayer in a right disposition, showing that not only are we worthy of receiving God's gifts to a certain sense, in a certain sense and to a certain extent, but also that we are willing to do what God does to us, to others. And then when we pray, to make sure that our prayer is directed towards the glory of God and not towards receiving praise from other people, that is to strip prayer of its eternal consequences and benefits and receive what is only passing and insignificant and fickle. The praise of men, it changes as quickly as they go from praise to accusation. It means nothing. God is the one who judges justly. And so our prayer is always in his sight that we perform prayer. One of the great insights of all the spiritual doctors of the church is that when we come into times of prayer, remember the one to whom you are praying. We always, in our interior, make that conscious effort to be aware of the Father whom we stand before and who sees us, and we pray for that grace to have right intention of prayer so that our prayer might be pleasing in his sight, that the Father who sees in the depths of the secret of our heart sees the intention towards and with and in our prayer, and then that is what he rewards. And when you fast, the reason that we fast also adds efficacy and power to prayer. Because what happens is by fasting, we turn away and deny for periods of time the comforts and consolations that are earthly. And what that does in our, in our prayer and in our interior life is that it increases spiritual desire. The problem in our culture, especially now as we've entered into a culture which alleviates to a certain extent all human suffering, is unfortunately that can also deaden spiritual desire and the desire for spiritual things. Sometimes difficulty is what makes our heart reach up towards heaven. And so when that is a willed difficulty, when we willfully take up certain penances, we purify ourselves, mainly, namely, namely that we stop seeking things that are too temporal and awaken our heart with right desires for things that are eternal. And so, in all of these acts of religion, there is one act that is the highest act of our religion, and that is adoration. Adoration of God is the highest act of what is justly His due. And so when we come into adoration here in this church, this is where we perform the highest act of our religion. And so as we come and kneel in the presence of the one who is deserving of our prayer, deserving of our love, we are also purified in our prayer and purified in our love. By being in his presence, he purifies us in the same way that he is constantly purifying his disciples as he walks with them on the way. He's always looking to them, teaching them, instructing them, guiding them, taking out what shouldn't be there, putting in what should. 
When we come into the adoration of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, we enter into this school of love, we kneel in his presence, and we dispose ourselves as disciples to be formed by him, not simply exteriorly, but in our interior, in the secret of our hearts, the place that the Father sees. And under this purifying effects and radiance of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, we are changed and we become pleasing to the Father. We become more and more like the beloved of his heart, the gift that he has given us, his Son in the Eucharist. Amen.